Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 236 of A Thompson and Other Disappointments. <clears throat> Your twice, sometimes thrice weekly delve into the worlds of news, politics, dystopia and all things awful. Um, how have you been? What's going on with you? How's your family? Are you all geared up for Christmas? Have you done your shopping? Have you finished wrapping your gifts? Are you feeling the joys of season's greetings? Well, allow me to cure that chemical imbalance by bringing you straight back down to earth. <laughs> um, as uplifting and joyous as it is. Uh, there's so much going on at the moment. We're going to try and make sense of the senseless together. Grab yourself a beer or wine. Or roll yourself a bifter and do whatever it is that you need to do to help the medicine go down as we once again go through the news. Um, a big story at the moment. Uh, this broke very early this morning uh, for us here in the UK. Uh, is that Donald Trump is ineligible for the US presidency, uh, according to a state Supreme Court. Um, this is you know, obviously gigantic news, or it certainly has the potential to be gigantic if you follow US politics. Um, I suppose the context, some context around this might be useful aid, you know, paint the picture a little bit, join the dots for people. So Donald Trump, he's he's got a myriad of legal problems, right? He's got all of these different court cases, which I endlessly harp on about in episodes of Punk Politics and, uh, and indeed the podcast. Uh, you know, he's being... Uh, sued for misuse of campaign finance money, he's being sued for corporation fraud, for inflating the value of his assets. He's got a second uh, rape, like civil rape case, I think, coming up by the, the same same lady as the, the first one. Because as soon as he left the building, he described her as, oh, she's a liar. She's making... So she's suing him again. So there's that. Uh, what else is he? He's got the Georgia one where he's accused of uh, applying pressure on this guy to find him, like 10,000 more votes. Uh, he's got the Washington, D.C. one, which is actually specifically around the insurrection. Uh, there's, I mean, there's numerous court cases going on. But in the background, you know, bubbling away in the background, and I fully confess, like, hands in the air, I'd completely taken my eye off the ball of these ones. I was so distracted by his own personal uh, court cases and those of the Trump org that I completely forgot that <laughs> there are also these sort of, you know, presidential political cases being brought. And what I mean by that is people are actively pushing for him to be removed from the ballot as a presidential candidate, like forget whether he gets the Republican nomination or not. He can't even stand as an independent if these people get their way, uh, if they have their way. Um, and that's, that's yeah, that's what's been bubbling away in the background. And Colorado's Supreme Court is the first one to rule on this. And this is from Sky News this morning. It says, Donald Trump ineligible for the US presidency under Constitution's insurrection clause. Colorado Supreme Court rules the Trump campaign has already said it will appeal the completely flawed decision with dozens of lawsuits having been filed nationally to disqualify the former president from running again under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Um, should, we, should we do a little bit more of this? Here we go. So Donald Trump is ineligible for the US presidency under the Constitution's insurrection clause. Colorado's court has ruled. The ruling comes as the former US leader prepares to run for the presidency next year. Trump is accused of inciting riots at the US Capitol building in an effort to overturn the result after he lost the US election in 2020. The ruling in Colorado sets up a likely showdown in the US Supreme Court, which has the final say on constitutional matters to decide whether the front runner for the Republican nomination can remain in the race for the White House. Um, it's really fascinating this, uh, because Trump appointed uh, a replacement justice to the Supreme Court, the actual US Supreme Court, who can overrule all of this stuff, right? He appointed uh, a replacement uh, to that just before he left office. So I think it's majority Republican now. 
And that's where the sort of the overturn of the abortion law and abortion rights came from. So it's seen as a conservative leaning Supreme Court. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they back him and if they do back him on what basis. Because this is the thing that I think escapes a lot of people. It's like it's all very well to have a load of Republicans, a load of like fire breathing, church going, red tie wearing Republicans in this Supreme Court. But they've got to back their decisions and their rulings with something. And if what we're saying by this Colorado Supreme Court, which the statement, I don't know if you've read it or had it read to you or, or whatever. Uh, but what they say in the rule, they're like, we haven't reached this conclusion lightly. They say we we understand there are repercussions and that this will be perceived in a certain way. But we have to reach this conclusion based on what we see are the facts and the context and the actions that were taken by Donald Trump around the time. And they even lay it out. They say, like, look, here's why we think this. We think he was guilty of insurrection because the charge of insurrection, it's not just about him walking down the streets in Washington, D.C., actively like holding up a banner himself saying, look at me, I'm holding an insurrection. Like it doesn't have to be that black and white for him to be guilty of insurrection just has to mean that he's a, in a position of power and influence and he did nothing to stop it and he just allowed it to happen and celebrated it happening. So therefore he is guilty of insurrection. And so what they say is we didn't reach this conclusion lightly. Uh, but this is truly what we think. We think as he's guilty of insurrection, that that should prohibit him from running as a presidential candidate in our state. And so my point being, I suppose, that when it gets to the US Supreme Court, the justices of the Supreme Court are also going to have to back their own decision with similar context and foundations. They're going to have to be in a position. Let's say they do decide to back it. They're going to have to be in a position where they can say, we think he should be able to run. And here is why he's not guilty of insurrection. And that's going to be an interesting defense to launch. You know, here's why he's not guilty of the thing he's definitely obviously guilty of. Here's why our Supreme Court colleagues over in Colorado got it wrong. Factually, statistically, with the nuts and bolts. And these are people, remember, I mean, I'm not speaking necessarily about the justices of the Supreme Court, whom I'm sure a lot of people would say they have integrity. They've got experience. Uh, they do deal with substance. But typically what I'm saying is that the people on the right of American politics now are not known and celebrated for their subscription to substance <laughs> and reality and facts, are they? Just like the Brexiters aren't necessarily over here. You know what I mean? So if that aversion to facts and stats and so on and expertise and and all that does bleed its way into the Supreme Court with this, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because they're going to be like, they're going to be like, we think President Trump should be allowed to run, but we're not going to tell you why. We're going to, because, because, because you're all elites. That's what, like, you're going to have these Supreme Court justices dressed in all their robes and stuff at the highest height of the establishment, railing against the establishment and elites. I think that's the level of ridiculousness that we're, heading towards. Anyway, so will this be decided in time for Donald Trump to be able to then still be a candidate in Colorado? I don't think it will be. I think this is basically the nail in the coffin for him in Colorado. Because as like somebody was saying on CNN this morning, that in, in much the same way as I was saying in, um, in a thing yesterday, in a YouTube video yesterday, I was doing my five predictions for the coming year politically, U UK domestic politics, though. And I was saying, um, wait, what the fuck was I saying? Losing my train of thought now. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. So I was talking about like, the upcoming election. I was saying I can't see there being a spring election over here because of all of the ducks that you'd need to get in a row and start allocating funding like it takes time and organisation to make a UK election happen. You can't just bolt through the door of CCHQ and go, we're doing an election next week. And in exactly the same way, uh, 
you can't just go to Colorado and say, well, actually, I am on the ballot. So therefore, everyone vote for me tomorrow. Like in order for Colorado to run a US general election with Donald Trump on the ballot, they are starting to print their presidential ballots or at least order them or design them or whatever. That's happening in like the first week of January. <laughs> so so if they've decided like now, just before the Christmas break, that he's not going to be on the ballot, it's like even if they did get somebody into a pit, like it, like time's run out. You're out of time, Donny. I don't think you're going to be on the ballot in Colorado now. This is just how it is. Um, I also heard some interesting coverage on the news agents pod this morning. Um, it was a, it's a bit early for them to be commenting on this Trump uh, Colorado ruling, but I thought it was really interesting to hear like Emily Maitlis and John Sopel respond to one of their listeners' questions. And the guy he asked a question about like if Trump gets in again, do you think he will try to pass the equivalent of you know not an enabling act but some sort of presidential extension you know we all endlessly harp on about how he's an authoritarian how he warms to dictators and how he showcases these sensibilities i mean only in the last week we've seen him start using terminology that would have it's probably straight out of like mein kampf and hitler rallies you know he's talking about foreigners uh, contaminating the blood of the United States. Like, and, and what was it last month? He was referring to people as vermin. You know, radical leftist Marxists, vermin and stuff like. He's amping up the rhetoric to, to actual Hitler-esque language. You know, we're actually through the fascism stage now. He doesn't just want to control it. Now he's actually referring to people in kind of murderous terms, right? Um, and anyway, this listener uh, put in their question for their end of year news agents show. And he said, do you think Trump will try to extend the official term of a president? In, in the same way that, by the way, Vladimir Putin did. Like Vladimir Putin was elected democratically and then he just passed, like he just extended. Now, now he'll never leave office. He's just the quote unquote president <laughs> forever. <laughs> Um, so that was the question. Anyway, I'm trying to stay on point here. So the guy says, well, do you, could you see Trump doing that? And interestingly, Emily Maitlis and John Sopel both said no. And I thought that was fascinating. Because I've always looked at Donald Trump as just a, a, a cookie cutter, carbon copy authoritarian dictator. There's no mystery to him, to me. I don't think he's not an authoritarian dictator with murderous tendencies. He's absolutely that. It is clear as day to me. It is a mis The mystery to me is why everybody else doesn't see that. They say like, no, 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 he wouldn't do that. And then he does it. And it's like, yeah, yeah but he won't get any worse than this. And then he does like twice as bad things. Oh, yeah, I know, but you're still, you're just being hysterical, aid. You know? And gradually over the months and years that have passed, he's gradually crescendoed and gotten worse and worse until the point he's literally quoting Hitler. And still people are like, yeah, but I don't think he would. No, he wouldn't just try to stay president indefinitely. Like how many times? How many times do I have to be proven right for you to accept you might be wrong? So. So, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Emily Maitlis and John Sopel, both of whom, you know, I don't think they've ever, either of them, shown their cards in terms of who they would vote for or who they love or loathe. But I think we could take an educated guess that they, um, uh, that they are left of centre, that they're reasonably progressive individuals, right? Um, I don't think you get to irk the top brass of the PB BBC <laughs> and upset key politicians and get hauled off of Newsnight if if you're a friend <laughs> to the Conservative Party. So I think it's it's safe to assume, I think, that they're at least centre, if not left of centre. And frankly, if you're centre these days, you might as well be a raging <laughs> leftist Marxist. But um, I thought it's really interesting that those two who I would pitch, you know, they're great journalists, right? 
celebrated award-winning journalists who we perceive as left of centre. But they, neither one of them, will entertain the possibility that Trump might attempt to remain president. And Emily Maitlis's, uh, uh foundation for this belief was that he doesn't enjoy it. Like, he's just running to settle scores here. Like, he feels that he he either lost that election unfairly or that the vote count was dishonest uh, or that it was stolen. Maybe he actually believes that. Um, and that this is him attempting to settle that score. And then, but then once he's done it, he'll just get bought. Like he just, like, mate, this thing was like, he would rather be off playing golf in Florida. But I think it's the ego for him. I think, you know, if you, if you play golf and you get a hole in one, you know, or, you know, you have a good round, that feels good, right? I'm sure that feels good. I'm sure that Donnie loves playing golf. But which would you rather? Would you rather put a nice round of golf in the Florida sunshine? Or would you rather be at rallies with people screaming your name, waving flags, showing off their tattoos with your face on their arm? Because they adore you, Donny. They love you. There's no comparison. So, I don't know. I think when you look at the context of his behaviour, of his conduct to date, the fact that he continuously pushes the boundaries, that nothing is ever enough, at his close proximity and warmth that he greets with uh, authoritarian dictators. I don't know. It seems bewildering to me that people would assume that he wasn't going to follow that through to the next logical stage of that trajectory, right? It seems a bit weird to me, but I don't know. What do I know? Emily Maitlis is an award-winning journalist, and who the hell am I? So, so that is obviously the big, big news this morning. Um, Donald Trump is possibly going to be removed from the uh, the ballots in Colorado. Um, I'm just going to read you a little bit of Sky News's analysis of this now, and then we're going to expand on it. Um, and then we're going to get on to another, another couple of funny, uh, uh, not news stories. Well, one of them is a news story, um, but stick with me. Uh, the third one I think you're really going to enjoy. So here we go. You ready? Um, so this is uh, Mark Stone. Uh, he's a U.S. correspondent for Sky News. And he says, uh, be in no doubt to remove a candidate from an election ballot, a former president, no less. It is quite a remarkable moment. It was a surprise for everyone. It will infuriate his supporters, reaffirming their belief that the establishment <laughs> is out to get him um, and that the Democrats are running scared of him. Uh, Mark Stone says, a reality check first. There is a way to go here. Appeals will now come against a decision that is a, as controversial as it is unusual. And but, but, like, just a, a little side note here. This is literally the first time this has ever happened. <laughs> Do you think of it like all of the other, you know, would be authoritarians, people who would have quite liked to have been emperor of America, you know, over the last 300 years or whatever. And that not once have they ever done this. And now in the 21st century, we have this guy. And it's like, yeah, now's now's the time. Like, it's you can see how people might think it's conspiratorial, right? Um, Stone continues. He says, at the heart of it is an interpretation of the Constitution and whether the so-called disqualification clause can disqualify Mr. Trump from being president. I don't see how there's any grey area around this. Like, they've mapped it out. They've said he's guilty of insurrection. Therefore... Under the Constitution, he can't run. That's the end of it. Like, <laughs> um, it says a bar of Democrat appointed judges in Colorado think that, that they agree with me, basically. Um, but are they objectively interpreting constitutional law or are they partisan? Um, can't it be both? You know, can't it, can't it? They can be Democrats. They can hate Trump. But also, if they've given that legal basis for it, I don't, I don't see how we can wiggle out of this. But, uh, you know. Uh, it says it will be up to the Supreme Court of the United States of America, which is weighted in Trump's favour. Uh, be up to them to decide. Uh, for a proportion of Americans, the judicial system is deeply politicised. A proportion of Americans. Can we just call them morons, Mark? Can we just call them cretins? Call them crayon eaters. 
You're a journalist. Just say it how it is. Just report the facts here. These people are morons. Um, I mean, I, I despair. I really do. Like I was saying on Twitter earlier, I've been like I've been saying for about four, maybe five years that America is on course for a civil war. Right. Years I've been saying that since 2016 ish. I've been like, this doesn't look good. You know, here you've got this hugely divisive character. Um, I remember when all of the MAGA nut jobs started coming out, waving their flags. It didn't matter what the accusation was that was levied against Donald Trump. They would dismiss it. Oh, that's just that's just a Democrat. Yeah. Well, what about what the Democrats have done? You know, it's like hero worship. It's 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 bizarre. It's false idols. It's. And I think when you have that level of adulation for a political leader and anything that is thrown at this person is dismissed as some sort of conspiracy and it's this person uh, encourages a dilution of respect for institutions. You know, it's the, the fascist populism playbook, right? It's like down with institutions, down with the establishment. I think when you have that, and you have a political class fighting against it to try to restore order. And the only response that ever gets is to further embolden this in individual. I, I think it's a matter of time until some idiot wearing a MAGA cap packs his van with a load of Semtex or something and drives it into the Democratic National Convention building and, you know, does what he's gone to do and... You know, I just I, I can't see that not happening. I'm gobsmacked there hasn't been some sort of assassination yet. I mean, some people say like the invasion of Nancy Pelosi's house was the, you know, the first one of those. Um, although, you know, thank thank the Lord that her husband, I gather, survived that. Some people look at the insurrection as though, you know, that was the terrorist event and we should have all taken note. I don't think there's been a key event of terrorism yet that is how i'm imagining it to be like i'm imagining some like a jfk level event um and it's every day i'm astounded that it's not happened yet um but yeah i've been saying this stuff for like four or five years man uh, i said the same thing about brexit i was like you know there are people out there who truly believe thanks to the wrong or right depending on your where you sit on the political fence Thanks to the wrong set of express and mail and telegraph headlines, there are people out there who truly believe that Britain was enslaved by the European Union and we have to break free to regain our sovereignty. Oh, you know, enemies of the people, this and remain a university's that and you're a traitor. Do you remember all that traitor talk? I remember at the height of all that Brexit stuff, I was like, this is going to end really badly because so many people are so divided. I was like, all it's going to take is one guy with a van. And I was close. I was like, I really thought uh, that when that guy murdered Joe Cox, I was like, this is it. This is this is how it's going to start. You know. I didn't imagine it would be like a British civil war in the way that I'm imagining a US civil war. But that's mostly because America is so, so divided, just like in a good era. <laughs> America is all, always divided. Um, in the UK, I feel like it's more like, you know, we fell out with our nephews or uncles or whatever. Like, it's a division in the family, but, you know, mostly everyone just, then they have a shower on Monday morning, they go back to work. Like, that's the end of it. Like, it's not, it doesn't become this sort of civil war, like country division thing, I don't think. Even though we're all screaming at each other on Twitter, by and large, in real life, it's, you know, not, it doesn't manifest in quite the same way. But in America... I remember thinking, yeah, like you have a sort of north-south divide still. You have red and blue states. You have people who really wish that slavery had never been criminalized and, you know, the slaves shouldn't have been freed. You still have a lot of that culture. You've got people who love guns and people who hate people who love guns. It's, it's so... Then you've got black and white, like the racial history and complications there. It's just so divided. And I think... Yeah, I don't know. It's like for years I've been thinking this is going to go really, really bad. And, um, you know, if he is removed from the ballot from enough states uh, or jailed 
or made bankrupt or if the Republican National is it the Republican National Party or RNC National Convention? I can't remember what they're called. But if for some reason they pull him as the candidate, I I will be so, so shocked if there's not like political violence, if there's not some sort of explosion somewhere or assassination. And as I say, I'm gobsmacked. It's not happened yet. Um. Anyway, uh, it says, uh, let's just finish Mark Stone's thing, shall we? So, um. It says Colorado on its own isn't that important to Donald Trump. He lost the state in 2016, but still won the presidency back then. But <clears throat> if, and it is big if, the country's top court makes a judgment on constitutional grounds that the Colorado ruling was right, well then, prepare for some other states to follow Colorado's lead. Okay, the dominoes uh, could start falling for Donald Trump and his base across this agitated country who would feel wholly disenfranchised and it could ignite. So Mark Stone channeling similar sort of sensibilities as uh, as myself there. I think Dan Hodges said this morning, he was like, US democracy is hanging by a thread now. Um, Dan Hodges is, of course, my tap dancing topper award winner this week. Congratulations, Dan. You earned it. Um, why does why does he get the uh, why am I saying topper first of all because I need to stay in the YouTube algorithms good books for the time being um <laughs> it's not topper really it's something else that sounds like bosser <laughs> tap dancing topper will do though for now Dan Hodges is this week's tap dancing uh topper I almost said it then um why because I noticed this thing that he does on Twitter. Uh, where you take a sort of scandal, you take a sort of, uh, a, a, you know, the story of the day and it's something horrific, something that all reasonable people would be against. And then what he does is he goes, well, you know, well, how much of X would you be willing to tolerate to get what? Like he tries to rationalise it and make you feel like you're the unreasonable one <laughs> for pushing against it. I was like, what? Well, I've noticed him doing this about two or three times now on the bombing of Gaza. 20,000 people dead now in Gaza, innocent civilians, some of them children, thousands of them children. And this guy's on Twitter going like, well, you know, you say Israel's got a right to defend itself. So how many how many civilians would be would you be willing to uh, to see die in order for Israel to defend itself? I'm just like, why does it why do you even have to factor in like dead civilian? Like what, what since when has this become a sort of black and white binary thing? Israel, of course, they can defend themselves, but that doesn't mean plowing into an area that's dominated by civilians and bombing the hell out of schools and hospitals. Did you see the news story the other day? I couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. Uh, these Israeli uh, IDF soldiers shot and killed three guys waving a white flag because they thought they were Palestinians, right? They thought they were Gazans. They just shot, Israeli shoulders, soldiers just shot and killed these three. They're waving a white flag. So straight off the bat, you're like, they're waving a white flag, man. Like that means SOS or surrender or, so why would you shoot somebody like that? Then it turned out they thought they were Palestinian. They were actually Jews. They were their, like their own guys. They shot and killed their own people and their get-out-of-jail-free card or their excuse was like, oh, but yeah, no, we thought they were Gazans. You thought they were Gazans waving the white flag and you still killed them. What is wrong with you? Then you got Dan Hodges poking his head out like, well, I mean, how, many, how much of this would you be willing to tolerate for Israel to have a right to defend us? It's like, what? Like, are you medicated, mate? What are you on? Whatever you're on, I'd like some, but maybe a slightly lighter dose. Because uh, it seems wild. So, yes, Dan Hodges, this week's tap dancing topper award winner. Um, what was next? What was I going to talk about next? Oh, yes, Andrew Bridgen is my second favourite story to wheel out today. Um, Andrew Bridgen. You might remember that name. He, uh, he was an MP. He was uh, voted in... I think a few years ago, I want to say 2010, 2015, maybe I'm talking out my rear end, but um, he was a Tory MP um, 
and uh, he got into a bit of bother for a couple of things. Uh, the first thing was lobbying. <laughs> don't don't they all? I mean, really, he should be promoted for that. Like you'd think that, wouldn't you? In CCHQ, if you get in trouble for lobbying, like it's a public slap on the wrist, but privately they're like, "Yeah, oh, good, good boy, Andrew. Here's here's a cookie. <laughs> Keep getting that money in, donor money." Ooh, num, 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 num. Um, but he got into trouble for lobbying, and the reason he got into trouble was because. The company approached him. Uh, I think they were called Mere Produce or Mere like Farming or something. And they approached him uh, and they they paid him £12,000 a year for it on an advisory contract. Um, so is it, you know, glorified or like superficially as a consultant is the idea. An advisory contract. You come in and work for us. Two days a week, uh, two days a week, two days a month. And uh, yeah, you just tell us about what you think we should be. But actually what it is, it's all a smokescreen. It's like, we'll pay you 12 grand a year and you'll be our man in the British Parliament. And this company, they flew him out to, I think it was Kenya, to the farms that they had. Uh, and then he would go into Parliament and he would lobby and he would speak to these other people. And he'd say, oh, you should consider this company. And I've been having a word with these guys over in Kenya and they blah, 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 blah. You know how lobbying works. So, uh, but he, he didn't disclose it on his register of interests, uh, allegedly. And um, and he got into a lot of trouble for not saying to people uh, that he was sort of acting on behalf of this company. So fairly egregious uh, break of uh, like... The, the ministerial code, I think, and um, uh, lobbying processes. So so he gets into trouble for that. Now, as I was saying, you'd think that would get you promoted, wouldn't you? But I think he had already had he already got himself in bother by that point for being sort of a bit conspiracy theorist. He's also one of these guys who's like, <laughs> he thinks that COVID was all a big, you know, big, big pandemic thing, I think. And he was, I think he was like, on board with some of the yeah i don't know you, you get the idea um and i i can't remember exactly what it was that he voiced in the house of god but he came out with some like conspiratorial rubbish and i i guess as a amalgamation of both those two he was then he lost the whip um he was suspended for the lobbying for five days and then i think he lost the whip over the uh covid nonsense um i might be misremembering that but anyway then he defected he went to uh he went to re not reform that's richard tice and uh and nigel farage's party he went to fuck me what's the name of it let's have a quick look uh reclaim that's it and um so he goes to reclaim and he's been there for six months as reclaims only mp i believe um and reclaims yeah headed by lawrence fox and now this morning andrew bridgen has resigned from Reclaim. <laughs> a devastating loss for Reclaim. Uh, and he released a... Uh, he put out a press release. He said, um, you know, he's very grateful to Reclaim and to Lawrence Fox. However, they're going in different directions. Um, I was like, are they? I mean, they both seem pretty crazy. They're both sort of like, like jab sceptic, mask-hating, you know... But then, like, I read in the Express's coverage of it, it said, yeah, well, you know, uh, Andrew Bridgen is hes really into the idea of the, the pandemic and COVID and 5G and all of this stuff. Whereas Lawrence Fox is more about, you know, fighting uh, for free speech and against woke issues. And I was reading this. I was like, oh, my God, these two sound insufferable. <laughs> and like, is this where the, the political right of the UK is now is like, oh, we can't quite work together because I'm all about conspiracy, conspiracy theories. Oh, well, I'm also about conspiracy theories, but specifically these ones. And, you know, you'd think these two would just put a, a pair of tinfoil hats on each other, sit in Weatherspoons and bore each other to death, wouldn't you? But no, apparently they, uh, I don't know, apparently they, they just can't work together or they've not got enough in common that they can, uh, that they can continue to work together and represent each other. So Andrew Bridget is stepping down. I personally, right, here's my theory. I think you won't see this immediately, but you may well see it as we get closer and closer to the GE. I think Richard Tice and Nigel Farage 
have approached him and they've paid him. I think he will end up standing for reform. Because there were some rumours out about a week ago or two weeks ago uh, that reform were approaching conservative MPs and offering them money to defect. So this is all like very similar to UKIP in 2015, which was basically the prelude to getting that Brexit referendum. Uh, it forced David Cameron to put the EU referendum in because he couldn't afford to lose any more. And that's what ultimately why we are where we are right now. Right. But um, uh, but yeah, so there were these rumours that they were paying. They were offering large sums of money to, to Tory MPs to uh, to defect over to reform. And I think... If you look at this in the context of Andrew Bridgen, he doesn't want to lose his seat, right? He's quite comfortable with his MP salary and being paid. To lobby. I mean, I don't know if anyone's paying him to be a lobbyist anymore, because frankly, lob like firms that pay MPs lobbying money, they are paying for the power and influence. And when you're no longer affiliated with CCHQ and you're not walking down the same corridors as the Minister for Agriculture or whatever it was that mere fruits and plantations or like whatever that company was uh it, it was interested in once you're removed from those corridors are you of any interest or use to companies any like would they still put you on a quote-unquote advisory contract i don't know if they would so i think for somebody like andrew bridgen who may have lost out on that extra second job money now and who is facing electoral defeat at the next general election because if you think reclaim are winning seats in Tory safe seat areas. Reclaim are polling abysmally, okay? Reform is where it's at. Reform are the guys who are actually polling quite well, who have Nigel Farage, who have Richard Tice. They are the ones who are scaring the Tories. And if Andrew Bridgen is serious about surviving the next general election, he's already been booted out of the Conservative Party. He can't go back to the Tories. So what is his next best option? What ticks both of those boxes? You can't go back to the Tories, Andrew. Oh, but if you were to win the seat, who is it most likely to be? Oh, it's reform. And which political party are offering Tory MPs or former Tory MPs cash to defect over to reform? Oh, it is reform. It, like, it ticks every box, doesn't it? So that's my theory. I think reform have approached him. Approach and poach is the uh, is the vibe here, I think. Um, so, yeah, Andrew Bridgen has stepped down. And uh, he's pursuing his interests. And Lawrence Fox is pursuing his. Um, which brings me on to my final story. My final thought, if you like of the show um, i'm really excited to share this with you because as i mentioned on i, I put an instagram up yesterday um and i said like one of the bad things about being woken up by your daughter every morning at like 5 a.m uh is that you know you're always tired you oh, like there's very few upsides to it um but i said one of the very very few upsides to being woken up at 5 a.m. almost every day is that it does give you an extra couple of hours, right? In which you can go through and track and log and document every single close proximity that Lawrence Fox has had to the topic of race, right? I'm being very careful with how I word this <laughs> because, uh, you know, I'm not saying Lawrence Fox is a racist, Definitely not saying that, guys. Um, you know, he seems to really take legal umbrage. Uh, that troubles his lawyers quite considerably if people uh, suggest that he's racist. So I'm not saying that he's racist. I'm just going to say that I had an opportunity yesterday morning from 5 a.m. to half past seven in the morning to document every single instance where he has socially, politically or media wise become in close proximity with the topic of race. That's... All I'm saying here. And I thought this would make some interesting listening for you because he is currently embroiled in a uh, he, he's being sued, but he's also counter suing the people who are suing him uh, because they said that he's racist. And he in turn said that they were paedophiles. <laughs> right. Um, so that's going on at the moment. Uh, it's that's I believe like uh, what's it called? 
when you close your state closing statement by your lawyer or something that's sort of closed now as of yesterday um uh, but there's another one ongoing, which is just in the preliminary uh, stages at the moment. You might be aware of him. He's a, a Twitter account called Mukhtar. His handle is I am Mukhtar. And uh, he called Lawrence Fox a racist uh, a few months ago. And Lawrence Fox attempted to uh, sort of legally bully him or threatened him with legal action. And now uh, that is now happening also. Um, and, do you know, if there's if there's a counterpart to the tap dancing uh, topper, award uh it should be like i don't know like a, a statuette for like having having balls and being amazing and being a hero like so the, the hero of the year for me personally on twitter is this i am mukhtar guy and you the reason why <laughs> will become very very clear in a minute when we go through every single instance where lawrence fox has been within the proximity of the topic of race um uh, but anyway, yeah, so he's suing him as well. That's in the preliminary stages. So are you ready? Should we go through these? Here we go. Uh, I, I hope I've got these in chronological order. I, there's a, there's some doubt in the back of my head here. So um, in January 2020, let's start there. Over two years ago, uh, or three years ago, um, January 2020, on Question Time, Lawrence Fox says criticism of Meghan isn't racist. And in return, a woman in the audience calls him a white privileged man. Uh, also in January 2020, he says Sikh soldiers in the movie 1917 was forced diversity. Uh, when in actual fact, it wasn't. There were Sikh soldiers uh, in that time. In fact, entire sort of battalions of them. He later apologises for it. Um, Equity, the uh, artists, yeah, like Actors Union. Equity, uh, who initially called him a disgrace for the way that he's responded to these things. Because um, uh, I think... It, I'm careful not to dig myself in a hole. I think, didn't he... Call, so the woman that called him a white privileged man, I think he returned fire. And didn't he suggest that she was racist, I feel? Maybe I should look that up quickly. No, I haven't got time. Um, but don't don't take my word for that. I'm not 100% not about that. But that is it's somewhere in the back of my mind that he, in return, called her racist. Maybe he didn't. Um, so Equity, uh, they called him a disgrace... Uh, but then they withdrew these comments and they paid him a settlement, uh, possibly <laughs> because he threatened to sue them. I, I mean, you don't pay people settlements for nothing, do you? So uh, anyway, they withdrew their comments. Um, they, they no longer think that he's a disgrace. And also they were willing to pay him a settlement. And in response to that, the race board, uh, race awareness board or something at Equity all resign. All of them are like, well, this is ridiculous. So they all go. Um, then we get to, oh, now we're into March 2020. We're only in March 2020, guys. Um, Authentic Talent is an agency. They drop him. Uh, also, oh, a little bit further up in 2020, uh, in October, Fox boycotts Sainsbury's for its Black History Month initiatives. And he accuses the supermarket of promoting racial segregation and discrimination for Black History Month because they had said that they were going to have safe spaces um for people of color i think what they meant was uh whatsapp groups uh you know little forums little social groups and somewhere you could go and be around other people of color if there were things that you wanted to share that you didn't feel comfortable doing you know it's, it's like that sort of thing it wasn't literally like all the black guys work over here and all the white people over here but you know fox interpreted it in his own way and he said i'm boycotting it um this is racial segregation and discrimination uh, also in October, ex-Corrie actress Nicola Thorpe, Stonewall's Simon Blake and drag artist Crystal call him a racist. Uh, Thorpe clarifies and says uh, companies should reread their own statements regarding diversity and then decide if it's uh, conducive with uh, Lawrence Fox's stuff. Um, basically, she says, if you work with Lawrence Fox, then you, you need to check yourself against the other commitments you've made regarding diversity and inclusion um in return lawrence fox calls thorpe black and crystal pedophiles then he deletes the tweets <laughs> all three of them lodge a defamation claim against him in the high court that's in april 2021 um oh i've missed out a bit artist rights group which is uh, sue latimer i believe they drop him as an actor also um 
April 2021, uh, black footballer Benjamin Mendy is arrested on suspicion of rape. And in response to that, Lawrence Fox tweets, get kneeling, fuckers. Um, also, oh, where are we now? We're, in, we're still in 2021, right? Now we go up to May 2022. Lawrence Fox loses a bid for a jury trial against the three that he called pedophiles and that they called him uh, a racist. Um, let's spool forward to November 2022. Uh, the judge begs them to settle this amicably between each other. Uh, Lawrence Fox's lawyers say up to half a million pounds for this, like the cost of this trial is going to be, is, is how much he's spending. Here's what I don't get about that, right? Is I remember reading, it's about two or three weeks ago. I remember reading how he said he'd lost work. He couldn't get a mortgage. Uh, if you contrast how much he was pulling in, you know, three years ago versus how much he's pulling in now, um, that's the impact of them calling him racist, something along those lines. So if you're not pulling in money, if you used to pull in about five to 600 grand a year, and now you can't get a mortgage and now blah, blah, blah. Like, why would you be blowing half a million pounds on a trial? Like, I mean, I don't really have a full understanding of defamation law. Maybe that's obvious. Um, but that to me would seem a fabulous waste of money for something that I'm led to believe could be seen as just opinion. Like these people might say, I think you're a racist. And then you say, oh, that's you're defaming me it's like well no i'm here's what i'm saying i'm i think you are it's up to you to say if you are or not like <laughs> you know so if it comes down to that if it comes down to opinion then he's gonna lose this and lose 500 grand which he already says he's not pulling in anymore why would you jeopardize <laughs> like, oh, i don't know and maybe, maybe this is just like the next logical step from like you know he stood to be mayor didn't he Stood in the London mayoral, lost his deposit on that. I think he's, he, did he st stand in something else as well? Lost his deposit. So is it a, like a lost leader? You know, he does this big defamation trial. That gives him a chance to be on TV. He can stand behind a podium and talk about free speech and uh, defamation and all the rest of it with a big reclaim banner around him. You know, it's, it's like a loss leader. He pays 500 grand for the cost of this, even though he's losing it. But ultimately, the press coverage is worth way more. Is it like something like that? I don't know. So the judge begs them to settle it amicably and uh, neither one of them do. Um, uh, oh, I missed out. June 2022, Lawrence Fox posts rainbow swastikas. Uh, gets banned from Twitter. Um, let's go forward to May 2023. Lawrence Fox says, Dear black people, stop making everything about you uh, on Twitter. Um, now we get into this I am Mukhtar hero. Uh, I am Mukhtar tweets him and says, Fuck off, you racist prick. <laughs> right? uh, another account, Stephen Bud's Biz says, Fuck off, you racist prick. But the only difference, discernible difference between the two of them is that Stephen Bud Biz, Biz uses asterisks and ones and, you know, to sort of slightly like distort what he's saying. But they both say, fuck off, you racist prick. Lawrence Fox goads Stephen Bud's Bids, Buzz, Bud's Biz and I am Mukhtar. Both of them, he says, you both of you going to need to have the below pinned. OK. And it's like an apology to Lawrence Fox. Um, and he's at this point talking about, you know, legal action. Uh, but it turns out he's he's added. He's like tweeted Stephen Budd's bid. He's tweeted Stephen Budd at Stephen Budd. And it's just some random account called Stephen Budd. So I don't know who, who Stephen Budd is or was. Like randomly got a legal threat from Lawrence. Oh, my God. <laughs> what have I done? Um all I was doing was like sharing match of the day clips. Like it's how can you get sued for that? Anyway, so um so so yeah, so it's a wrong account tagged for him. Uh now, Stephen Budd's biz doesn't respond. And I've checked the actual Stephen Budd Biz account over the last like, you know, two, three years, and he doesn't really mention Lawrence Fox at all. So I don't know if quietly he settled with him. Uh, or why he's been dropped from the court case. But he has. Like, you don't hear anything more about him or from him. Uh, but in response to you're both going to need a lawyer or, you know, you need to have this pinned 
and uh, take this thing down or I'm going to sue you or this. I am Mukhtar replies with <laughs> suck your mum. <laughs> and fastly becomes my hero of 2023. Uh, Lawrence Fox replies with, I'll take that as a no then, me old Mukhtar. I hope you have been saving up your pocket money, he says, alluding to legal action forthcoming. I am Mukhtar quote DMs this and says, you are a racist POS. Uh, get effed, dickhead. Um, I'm, re I'm really trying to stay on the right side of the algorithm. Maybe maybe it's a lost cause with this episode. <laughs> uh, uh, Lawrence Fox replies and says, thank you for repeating the original allegation. You will now need to claim a truth defense. If you can read, look it up. Mukhtar replies, you really are boring. I said what I said with chest. Go and do what you need to do. So I love, this is what I love. It's just the balls on the table. Tupac-esque. Just, I don't give a fuck. You know? This is Tupac walking out of the courtroom, spitting on journalists. That's what this is. Um, Lawrence Fox replies. He says, I suggest you apologize as per my DM, and then we can move on. Also, it's jest, not chest, sweetheart. Which is so, like, this is what I love. It's not jest. It is chest. It's like, I said what I said with chest. It means with balls, with front, you know? It's not if you said I, I said what I said with jest, that would be like, you know, diffusing your own thing. I said what I said with jest. Ah, I was being sarcastic. It's like, you know, Trump when he said the thing about the bleach, you know, and then like three days later, he was like, ah, I was being sarcastic. It's like, no, you weren't. We know what sarcasm is. You bellend. So, yeah. So Lawrence Fox doesn't understand what uh, saying things with chest is. Um, Mukhtar says, in, in response to this thing, he's like, look, you need to apologise. I suggest you apologise as per my DM. Mukhtar then says, I apologise to Loza Fox, to his children, for dragging their racist deadbeat dad. It's not their fault that he's a waste man. <laughs> like, like I, I just love, it just gets better and better. It's like, like, um, how can I articulate? Like, so, uh, Lawrence Fox says, I suggest you apologize. And do you remember like the earlier tweet where he says like, you're going to need this pinned to, to the top of your profile for six months. And, uh, and Mukhtar says, I apologize to, you know, to, to his children for dragging them and blah, blah, blah. And then he pins that to the top of his thing. Um, Lawrence Fox DMs Mukhtar. He says he wants to resolve this amicably or Mukhtar will receive lawyer correspondence today on the 2nd of May, 2023. Uh, Mukhtar tells him again to go suck his mum. <laughs> Lawrence Fox is back in the DMs on the 17th of May. He wants to talk and appear reasonable. But Mukhtar says, I don't negotiate with racists. Um, Mukhtar says on the 29th of May uh, that Lawrence Fox has been DMing him at 12.26am that morning. Uh, draw your own conclusions on that. You know, who texts at like 12.25am? Um, you know, overly attentive girlfriends, obsessive ex-partners, maybe after a few in the pub. I don't know. Um, Mukhtar says he hasn't heard anything on the 2nd of June and he mocks Lawrence Fox for even contacting him, which lawyers would advise him that he shouldn't do. And he thinks it's all a bluff now. Um, then a month later, sorry, two months later on the 1st of August this year. Sorry, I know this is going on a little bit. Bear with me. Um, on the 1st of August, Lawrence Fox posts a picture of himself in blackface and suggests he's racially transitioned. Um, also on the 1st of August, uh, Nicola Thorpe, one of the three defendants whom he called a paedophile because they called him a racist, uh, her claim is dismissed. The judge says that people would not have taken the statement about her being a paedophile factually. So her, her claim is withdrawn or dismissed or, or whatever. Uh, Lawrence Fox publicly tweets that his acting career has been destroyed by accusations of racism. Really? <laughs> I mean, this is the, the, the arrogance, the the delusion of it is like you can behave this way and post all of this stuff, hugely problematic stuff that is bound to upset people, you know, the delicate thespians of the movie and theatrical and, you know, TV industries. And then when somebody calls you out on it, 
you know, one afternoon on Twitter in a largely insignificant tweet that nobody would have seen unless you had replied to it or quote tweeted it or drawn attention to it with a high court court case. That That's the problem. That's the reason why you've lost your acting career. Really? Think it through. Better. Um, on the 9th of August, a few days after that, uh, Mukhtar posts confirmation that he is indeed being sued. And he posts a picture of the court paperwork Fox versus Mukhtar. Um, I can't remember his surname now. Um, uh, he says, Lawrence Fox is suing me. Uh, he thought that it was all a bluff, like, but it's it's only taken this long because Lawrence Fox sent it to the wrong address, he says. Um, uh, which is quite funny. You know, here you've got this, I assume he's still a millionaire. He's a man of means. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's tweeting the wrong account with legal threats. He's contacting his supposed defendant when legally, apparently, he shouldn't do, according to Mukhtar. Um, he's sending paperwork to the wrong place. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's not looking great, is it? It's, um, oh yeah, then this made me laugh. On the 11th of October, Billy <laughs> pledges £25 uh, towards uh, Mukhtar's fund. <laughs> I am Mukhtar receives £25 uh, legal cost donation on his crowd fund, his crowd justice thing uh, from somebody called Billy. Um, then on the 1st of, we're getting very close to now. So uh, the 1st of December, Lawrence Fox calls progressive author Nihal, I, I'm never going to pronounce this correctly, Nihal Arthanyaki. He calls, he's, this is a guy who's had, you know, books out talking about how to have good conversations and obviously comes from a very progressive left-leaning place. Um, Lawrence Fox calls him a racist, um, which is interesting, isn't it? It's like he can call somebody a racist while suing other people for calling him a racist. It's just like the level of sort of segmented partition thinking that you have to adopt and embrace to be Lawrence Fox in 2023 is just, I mean, it's no shock to me that this guy's an actor. He can obviously shapeshift and contort at will. Um, also in December this year, uh, the Thorpe, uh, Nicola Thorpe and the other two, uh, Peter Farr case, ends at the High Court and the verdict is expected in the next sort of weeks or months. Um, Thorpe's lawyer says Lawrence Fox is insulting the intelligence of the court in a final statement. Uh, Lawrence Fox's lawyer says this is malicious action designed to take him down. Um, and that's where we've got to, up to to now. I mean, that's quite... You see, halfway through, I was like, I know this is long, like, bear with me. But kind of the fact that it's long is sort of the point, isn't it? Like what a rich tapestry, what a what a uh, conclu uh, not conclusive, um, what a sort of uh, I don't know, in interesting, intriguing uh, document of times he's been in close proximity with the topic of race. He says, worded very carefully. Um, did I mention the like the uh, the swastika burning i don't i think i missed that out didn't i um like the footage of him setting fire to rainbow flags in his garden i don't think they weren't actual swastikas that time so he posted a picture of a rainbow swastika and then a different time i think he set fire to picture like the rainbow flag the pride flag <laughs> so i mean i suppose that's not really racism is it it's sort of the swastika's fairly racist you know but the the rainbow flag is not really racism it's more like you know he's i'm just against it I'm just against it for the sake of being against it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I thought that, that was really fun. That's how I spend my free time when my daughter wakes me up at 5 a.m. Um, how do you spend yours? Pro probably doing nice, wholesome things with your little girl, right? But too tired for that shit, like 5 a.m. Right, guys, that's enough from me. This has been uh, lots of fun. I hope this has been uh, interesting for you. I've been I've been somewhat like, it sounds like I've been really prepared for this, right? Like, because I've got so much documented here about Lawrence Fox, but um, uh, actually I've been really like mad busy with work and like trying to smash out YouTube videos and stuff. And um, uh, and also my girlfriend's uh, away with my son uh, this week. So um, it's, it's all been a little bit crazy, but I hope this has been still interesting for you. I'm going to try and put out another one uh, a slightly better prepped uh, episode before uh, the weekend. So stay tuned for that. Uh, until next time, take care of yourselves. Keep it strictly hashtag Bimfluencer and always booge. And we're out this mother Hubbard.